1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. These are instructions about receiving communion that we're going to do in just a little while. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, the King James says unworthily, eats and drinks judgment or damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I want you to see that phrase, not discerning, not respecting, appreciating, not grasping the Lord's body. From this text, I want to speak today on the subject, I am a church member. Would you look at somebody near you and just tell them, I am a church member. You may be seated. What an incredible presence of God is here. Ephesians 1 said that Jesus Christ is the head over all things to the church. Colossians 1 says that He, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. When you speak of the body of Christ, it is synonymous with saying the church. Jesus Christ is the head and we are His body in the earth. The Bible said in Colossians 1.24 that for his body's sake, which is the church. When you look at the Bible, it speaks about the anatomy of the body of Christ. That we are one body with many diverse members, but we're still one body of Christ. I want to walk through 1 Corinthians 12 beginning at verse 12. For as the body, the human body, is one and has many members, but are all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. You notice how redundant the Apostle Paul is being. You have a body that has many uh, members. It has digits and it has organs, but it's still one body that functions, hopefully... In harmony, not in a spastic way, but in a harmony, an harmonious way, it enables me to clap my hands or to scroll, swipe my iPad or whatever. This is the comparison of the church, the body of Christ, to the human body. The Bible says that we get in this body, verse 13, by being baptized, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. I'm glad to know that in the earth there is one church. Many cultures, languages, nations, races, but one church. And if you are prejudiced, you're in the wrong place because the body of Christ is one body. 
And if you're prejudiced, think of this. The Bible said that God made of one blood all nations for to dwell upon the face of the earth. He took Adam's blood and is diversified throughout the entire earth. But one blood, he made all nations and we are one body. The church is the body of Christ and we are baptized into this body. We are born, as Jesus said, of water and of spirit. Peter preached it. We repent and we're baptized by water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And that birth of water is followed by usually the birth of the spirit. Today we had a first time guest in the early morning service named Judy. She had never been here before, but she was open to God. She was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues for the very first time, and was baptized in water in Jesus' name. We have a founding member of this church. This church was started in the home of Merle Louise Harper in a basement in 1961. She's been a part of this local church since it started. But Judy is in the body just as much as sweet Louise Harper is in the body of Christ. You are born into this body. Verse 14, Paul said, The body is not one member but many. So anytime you think you're a little holier than everybody else, read this verse. It's not one member It's not just you. When the prophet thought he was the only one, the Lord said, I've got 7,000 that have never bowed their knee or kissed Baal. You're not alone in the body of Christ. Verse 15, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body. Just because it says that, is it therefore not of the body? Paul's saying, of course, it's still in the body even though it doesn't want to admit that it's part of that old hand over there. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore, just by saying that, not of the body? And the ridiculous truth is, of course it's still in the body, even though it says that. Now, we know the hand would never say that, or the foot, or the ear, or the eye would never speak that. Because our body functions in harmony and there's a smart selfishness about realizing we need one another in this human body. There is mutual dependence in the human body and it is also true in the body of Christ. In the human body, the organs and physical members function in unity because it is good for every member to be connected to the body of Christ. And Paul says in this passage, 1 Corinthians 12, that, you know, just because you're not like this other member of the body doesn't give you a right to withdraw and disassociate yourself. You are in this body and you need the entire body of Christ. Amen. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye... Where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? In the human body, there's an appreciation for the diversity. The eye of your body is an amazing member of your body, your human body. And it can distinguish millions of shades of color. The human eye 
is incredible. You might think it's one of the more appreciated, precious, and valuable members of the body. On a clear, dark night, the human eye can see the light of a candle 30 miles away. That's how clear, how good your eye is. But guess what? Your eye cannot smell and your eye cannot hear. And so it has to be in a body so the ear can hear what it cannot see and the nose through its olfactory senses can smell and sense what it cannot detect by sight. The eye needs the ear and the eye needs the nose and you need the person sitting next to you and across the aisle whether you know it or not you need to be in the body connected to the body and you should be recognize your dependency on other members of the body of Christ. Amen? That's being part of the body. Now, verse 18 says, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. I love this verse, and it's encouraging to me that the members of the body of Christ are not put in the body as it pleases the body, as it pleases the members. There's no one person in the church that God allows to dictate where you are placed in the body of Christ. And whether you're prominent or obscure, whether you're overappreciated or underappreciated, you are uniquely placed in the body of Christ with your gifts, abilities, and nature by the Lord so that you can serve Him and serve in the body and fulfill your function. You are not a needless part. You are not just here to take up space. You are here to function in the body of Christ. He designed you before your birth. He created you in His image. I am thankful that the Lord counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. I would have never picked myself to be a preacher or a pastor. I never saw that in myself growing up. The Lord had to track me down and convince me that He had a place for me in His body that I would have never picked and maybe you wouldn't have picked that place but the members of the body of Christ are placed as He pleases not where we please. You think about it from an anatomical point of view you know your toes are located in a wonderful place And I'm glad that my fingers are not the same length as my toes. How about you? That'd be a little awkward. I guess you could hang from branches, you know, by your toes. And what if it was the other way around, you know? It would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? What if you had two noses and one ear and their places were swapped? Your ear was right here and your noses were out here. But better to smell you with, my dear. But it would be kind of awkward, wouldn't it? God designed this human body. Now, you may think you would like to make some changes, but in His infinite wisdom, God designed the human body and He designed the church as He pleased to accomplish His purpose in the body of Christ. Verse 19, And if they were all member, one member, where would the body be? In other words, if we were just a giant eye, 
or a giant ear. But the Bible said, Indeed, you are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Even though the head has all the brain cells, it can't look down on the feet in a condescending way and say, you lowly feet way down there. I'm way smarter than you. But the head depends on the feet. Amen? And then the Bible said in verse 22 that those members of the body which seem weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on those we bestow greater honor in our unpresentable parts have greater modesty or are covered for the sake of modesty. That's the body of Christ. Amen. Our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which, part which lacks. That there should be no schism. No disunity, no competition, no infighting in the body. Amen? That's why he did it. But that the members should have the same care one for another. That I'm needed in the body of Christ and I need you in the body of Christ. I want to be very transparent right now that when I was an older teenager, young adult, my personality is very independent. I don't need anything or anybody. I will figure it out on my own. That's an honest confession. That's a stupid confession. But it's the way I felt. And the Lord had to teach me that I needed people who were different from me in my life and in the body of Christ. He humbled me to teach me that I cannot make it on my own, that I need the body of Christ. I'm glad I learned that a long time ago, that I need people who are way different than me. I need them in my life, and you need them in your life. Paul summed this up by saying, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually or in particular. I am in the body of Christ. I got in this body when I repented of my sins, was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. When I was born of water and spirit, I was baptized into the body of of Christ. That's how I got here. And as much as my physical hand is part of my physical body, I am part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is the church. Body of Christ equals church. When I say church, I am speaking of the body of Christ in the earth. I established that earlier that Jesus is the head of the body, his church. Church is a big deal to God. In the Bible, the word is mentioned 77 times in 76 verses. First mentioned in Matthew chapter 16 when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded by saying, I say that you are Peter, and on this rock, the rock of my identity, I will 
build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. All the schemes of hell will not prevail against the church. All the power of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. I am a church member. I am a member of the body of Christ. Church means ecclesia, called out ones. Like Abraham of old was called out of Ur of Chaldees, that pagan city, into a life of faith. He is the father of the faithful and was a friend of God. And in the New Testament, the apostle Peter would say that we are called out of darkness and into his marvelous light, that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. Amen that we would show forth the praises of Him. He called us out of sin, called us out of darkness, called us out of hopelessness, hopelessness, and He put us in the body of Christ. I am a church member. I am part of the body of Christ in the earth. They're kind of two facets to the church. There's a universal church, that mystical body of believers that you may not see. The Bible said we're come to the spirits of just men made perfect. We're come to the church of the firstborn. And we are connected to brothers and sisters all over the world that we will never meet until we see them over there when there will be a great number, a multitude of people of every kindred, nation, tribe, tongue, and people, a number that is vast and cannot be comprehended. And together, for the very first time, we will worship Jesus Christ together in the eternal new Jerusalem in heaven forever and ever and ever. The people that I cannot see people that worship differently than me, people that see we have a lot of Africans in our church, first and second generation Africans. And if you go to Africa, they don't sing black gospel. They sing African gospel. It's totally different. If you go to Central America or you go to the Spanish church this afternoon, just living Diga, brother and sister Reyes, you may sing a little salsa beat to the Lord and may not be your style. When we get to heaven, I don't know which it will be, but we will be one people worshiping God forever and ever and ever. One church, the body of Christ in the earth. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Paul said, Jews, Greek, slave, free, male, female, all been made to drink of one spirit. Here we are in this amazing body of Christ in the earth. And in the church, he had governments of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He gifted the body of Christ. I preached in 2013 a gifted church and threw coins in the congregation and spoke of the gifting that is in the church. Amen. I love the church. I love being part of the body of Christ. Sometimes our members get hurt. Sometimes our members get sick. And sometimes our members aren't functioning at 100%. But I still claim the body of Christ 
warts, sickness, imperfections, and all, that we are the body of Christ in the earth. And if you want to stay connected to Jesus, you've got to stay connected to his body. And if you wanted to make it to heaven, you need to drink a large dose of tolerance for one another and each other's imperfections. And you need to have a better mirror than you do a microscope or a magnifying glass. And you need to love one another with a pure heart fervently and say, I am a church member. This is my church. This amazing universal church that he sanctified and cleansed it with washing of the water by the word that he would present it to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any kind of blemish. We have come to the church of the firstborn, the Bible said. This amazing global church. But God's global church has a face, has a location, has a local identity that is very strong in the Scripture. And the Bible in its amazing transparency tells us that there is often trouble in the church. Now, I'm not here to preach and I don't have a situation in mind. We deal with our problems privately when possible at Atlanta West. I'm preaching the doctrine today of the church. I am a church member. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, Upon this rock I will build my church. But then in Matthew chapter 18, just two chapters later, He painted a picture of a problem that might occur in his church. So somebody sins against a fellow member. They wrong them. In Matthew 18, 15, if you'd like to look there, moreover, if your brother, and this counts for sisters too, sins against you, it's clear cut that they've wronged you, or at least you think they have. Go and tell him his fault between you And him with six other people. Share it in prayer meeting. Tell some people to pray with you for that person because they're really bad. Probably one of the greatest sins of the church is that we don't obey the Bible. And we got everybody else than the person who wronged us or we think wronged us. So far, nobody's involved but the offender and the offended. They're trying to work it out. Now, sometimes in that you realize there is a misunderstanding. But then let's suppose it's clear and the person doesn't listen. Jesus tells us step two. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. This has still not reached the ears of any official in the church. It's still in the body being worked out. And sometimes when two or three witnesses are there, you realize that it was a misunderstanding. There is clarity in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now, I know some of you are scared that you would do this, that it might not turn out right, but it's not turning out right the way you're doing it. 
These are the words of Jesus in his Bible. Why don't we believe it and do it? Verse 17. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Now that doesn't mean to go, you know, put it in the announcements. Put it up on the urgent prayer needs. You go to the church and say, I went to this person alone. I went with two or three witnesses. They refused to make this right. Well, we will determine if it's right or not because Jesus said clearly they sin against you. So it's not an opinion, not a misunderstanding. It's a clear violation of a biblical principle. Jesus says if they do that, tell it to the church. And now let the church leadership deal with that sinful person who has wronged a member in the body. And if they will not listen to the authority of the church, Jesus said, if they won't listen, let them be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. They are no longer in the body. They are no longer in the church. If they will not obey the Bible... They get excommunicated. Now I will tell you that this is very rare. But it is in the Bible. And I'm showing you the authority of the local church in the Bible. Not the way people perceive it. To say, well I don't like what they did at this church, I'll go to that church. Well you better be careful because God honors the local church. Let me show you what Jesus said. Verse 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Now we usually use this verse if somebody's got a devil or they've got, they're bound by a disease or a habit. That has nothing to do with it in this place. Jesus says that in other places as well. In this place, Jesus says whatever the church does on the earth that is according to biblical principles, when you do it on the earth, it's done in heaven. I will back you up. If you bind it on earth, it's bound in heaven. If you loose it on earth, it's loosed in heaven. If you say you're no longer a part of the body of Christ on the earth, you're no longer part of the body of Christ in heaven. And I will tell you that that puts a lot of authority and power in the hands of fallible people. But if it's done right and if God is in it, God will back it up. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody right now, but sometimes, oh, it was in the Bible. That was in the Old Testament. God doesn't do things like that anymore. But in your Bible, in the New Testament, which is just as real as right now, when Ananias and Sapphira agreed to lie to the Holy Ghost and they walked into the Apostle Peter in the New Testament church that might as well have been yesterday as 2,000 years ago, when they lied to the Holy Ghost, they dropped dead instantly in the front of the Apostle Peter. God pronounced an instant judgment on church members who were not really church members and they died in the New Testament. I know this is the age of grace, but our God is still a consuming fire. He is still a judge of all the earth. He will do right, but don't just try to put that back in the Old Testament under the law. That's the New Testament. 
When Paul says to Elamus, the sorcerer, that you will be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. In the New Testament of your Bible, a man is struck blind as a temporary judgment of God till he will repent. So I mean just preaching the Bible that this stuff is true. And Jesus said, if you do this in the local church, I will honor in the universal church that record in heaven. When you're stricken from the role of that church, you're stricken from my role in heaven. Now if it's done wrong and there's abuse of authority... And God knows there's been tons of abuse of authority. And so I say this carefully, understanding the responsibility of the church. And this is, as I said, extremely rare. Look at verse 20. For where two or three, this is the same passage, are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now once again, we love to take verses out of their setting and use them to our advantage. But this scripture is in the setting of dealing with the problem in the church. And the Lord says, if you make this decision, if two or three, those witnesses, if church authority and leadership is agreeing on this, I will be in their midst and I will let my presence honor that. That's why in 1 Corinthians, Paul could say, there is a man in your church in Corinth who's living in incest, When the Spirit of God is present, I want you to meet with this man and I want you to expel him from the church. Tell him he can no longer be a part. Put him out of the church. I want him to get out in the world where the devil will beat him up. Now this is my paraphrase. The devil in life will beat him up. He will face the consequences of his sin. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes them again and says, This man that you put out of the church has repented. He wants to come back in. Let him back in so he's not overcome with overmuch sorrow. He's made it right. But if he would have never been put out, he would have never come back in. Now we love that verse when it's somebody else, but we don't want God ever taking us to the woodshed or us ever to have to be told no or you're wrong or you're not going to say that or do that. But it is time for us to get in the body of Christ in the church and function like the New Testament church, not like the worldly church around us. Now I want to just make a point that in the Bible, the local church mentions 77 times that Paul speaks about, I teach in every church. And he said that when you come together in the church, you know, we live in a day, there are people watching online right now. I hope you're watching online because you've already been to church, you're going to church later, or you're sick, or you're in a location where you cannot get to a local apostolic church. But if church for you is you in front of a screen and you don't like people and you don't want to be in a local church and you don't want to be connected and you don't want to be accountable and you don't want to serve, you don't have, you don't have the right idea of the church. The church is a local body that comes together. The gifts of the Spirit operate in a local church. And Paul said in the church, I'd rather say five words that you can understand. 
In 1 Corinthians 14, if therefore the whole church comes together in one place, and he's talking about abuse of gifts of the Spirit, but he's saying if you come together, there's got to be some order in the church about the way the gifts operate. And if there's no interpreter, let it be silent in the church. So all of this about is about a church service. The writer of Hebrews said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. They don't want to assemble. They want to be a disconnected hand over here or disconnected foot over there. And they think they're the whole body and that God is pleased with them because they're just a little hand over there waving to Jesus. But Jesus will tell you, get back in the body where you belong. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Telling one another, not just the pastor, but members saying, we need to get together. We need to be together. And the writer of Hebrews said, and so much the more. As you see the day approaching, which tells me we can see the day of the coming of the Lord approaching. We don't know when that day or hour is, but we see it approaching in our day. And we need to place a higher value on church attendance, church membership than ever before as we see the day approaching. In the Bible, there are church names. The church in Sincrea, in Corinth, at Philippi. A church meeting in your house. The church in Laodicea. The church of the Thessalonians. Behaving yourself in the house of God. The church at Babylon. That's a great place to have a church. And then in Revelation, the seven churches of Asia that have specific challenges and problems that had to be addressed, many of them in the book of Revelation, but they had a local identity and local leadership and a specific message to each of them, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamus, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, the seven churches of Asia that Paul has to set in order, except especially Philadelphia, who seemed to be the church of brotherly love and had were hitting on all cylinders and were just right. James said, Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Does that mean you're going to hop on the internet and email somebody in Timbuktu or somebody in California, somebody over? That's fine to get people praying. But they're, we're going to call for the elders of the church and we're going to pray over him anointing him with oil. Oh, that's hard to do over the internet. That's hard to do by long distance. That means that you've got to be gathered together with the local body for this scripture to work like God intended it to work in a local church. So I want you to know that to God, membership matters. To belong to the local body of Christ is a big deal to the Lord. And you may say, well, you know what? The reason I don't want to connect to my church is because there are people there who are not really true blue. There's hypocrites there. Well, the Bible said in 2 Timothy 2.19 that the Lord knows them that are His. And Jesus said in the parable of the tares and wheat, at the end of the age, I will sort them out. I'll pull up the tares, I'll burn them with unquenchable fire, I'll gather the wheat into my barn or my garner, So there are some things that may stay in among you and that may never get taken care of. And if you're not careful, you'll be the official terror spotter of the church. Well, I don't see any fruit in their life. Looks like a terror to me. 
because tares and wheat look a lot alike till it comes to fruit bearing time and wheat bear fruit wheat bears fruit but tares do not but Jesus said I'll take care of that in the end of the harvest you don't worry about that you go ahead be in the field be in the church bear fruit let me be God you be in the body of Christ Amen. In the body of Christ. This sacrament, this special thing that we're going to do today that we call communion or the Lord's Supper is all about the body of Christ. For the body, the physical body of Jesus Christ was beaten, bloodied, stripped naked, mocked, crown of thorns pierced into his brow. Hands and and feet pierced with spikes and nailed to a cross. He was left to hang there six hours on that Friday afternoon while people went by and wagged their heads and said, He saved others himself he cannot save. And he suffered the cruelty of the cross. His broken body. Not his broken bones because the Bible said not a bone of his was broken. But his broken body, his flesh ripped open. And his blood poured out. Even after death when the spear went into his side, that expert Roman soldier, and pierced the heart, the blood and water that ran out of his side, that blood was for my salvation and yours. And the night in which Jesus was betrayed, He instituted this ordinance of the church. He said, I I want to use two simple emblems of my broken body and my shed blood. You may want to right now just kind of fumble around like I have to do and get that first little tab. We're not going to do this quite yet. But I want you to maybe take out that little wafer that's on the top. Need a little help from my friends over here. Now this little wafer is tasteless, thin, it's symbolic. But in the Old Testament they ate unleavened bread, bread without salt, bread without yeast. It was real flat because they were leaving Egypt and the Lord said, I want you to get out in a hurry. And it symbolizes to us the pure body of Jesus Christ, no yeast in him, no sin in him. Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. And this Unleavened bread is symbolic of the pure body of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, it was unleavened, as I said, because it symbolized getting out of Egypt without taking time to let the bread rise and be real sweet and tasty, you know, like good sourdough bread. So when I take this bread, I am identifying with the pure blood of Jesus, pure body of Jesus Christ, the broken body of Jesus Christ that was broken for me on the cross. Just hang on to that. When I partake of this cup, this cup of suffering, Jesus said this cup is the New Testament in my blood. And when I take this, there's a doctrine called transubstantiation that some people believe that it literally becomes the body and blood of Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible is that taught. This is symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for me. And when I drink this cup, Jesus said, as often as you drink this, you do this in remembrance of me. But in Corinth, the church this was written to, when they came to church, they're the body of Christ. 
They had the Lord's Supper, this little small portions of, of the fruit of the vine, the cup and the, and the bread. And these people were like so zealous. This was a like off the charts church. They were rushing to the altar. Some were gobbling down the bread and drinking all of the, the juice that was there, the fruit of the vine. And other people couldn't get anything. And Paul said, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? When we come here, don't, that's not the way to do. And he says to them, you basically are trampling over the body of Christ to get to the body of Christ. You're trampling over your brothers and your sisters out of your zeal for Jesus. And John later would write and tell us that you cannot love God who you cannot see if you don't love your brother, and it applies to sister, that you can see. Don't say you love God and you hate your brother or your sister. Impossible. In Corinth, they were just gobbling this down. They weren't repentant. They weren't remembering what Jesus had done for them. It was very, very disrespectful and irreverent. That's why the Apostle Paul would write to them that if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If I come to God and I ask Him to forgive me of my sins and I judge myself and let the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse me, then I don't have to face Him in the judgment because my sins are already judged. Paul said when you do this, you should not do it unworthily in a flippant, disrespectful manner. Like, oh, it's no big deal. Eat the bread, drink the cup. Paul said because you've done this in an irreverent manner, unworthily. In your church in Corinth, in your local church, many are weak, physically weak. Many are sick. And many sleep or look it up, they're dead. What? Because they disrespected this little sacrament? But it's not just a symbol. But it's because you've disrespected what Jesus did on the cross for you. It's because you don't love your brothers and sisters. It's because you have not discerned the Lord's body. His physical body and His spiritual body, the church. We are the body of Christ and we are members in particular. And my goal is to spend eternity with you in heaven. And since we're going to be together for such a long, long time, doesn't it make sense to learn to get along now? Amen. If you would please take this bread. And before we partake of communion, I want us to, uh, to repent and ask God to help us have a right spirit. Would you pray with me right now? Lord God, I come in Jesus' name. And I thank you for the sacrifice of Calvary. Your blood that cleanses me of sin. Not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. I thank you for your body that was broken for me, Lord. So that in this generation, Lord, we have so many people that have been abused and wronged, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and sexually beaten and abused. 
but you took incredible abuse on the cross so that our bodies could be healed by your broken body. And as I partake of this wafer, Lord, this unleavened bread, I identify, Lord, with your broken body that was broken on the cross for me so that by this brokenness I could be whole. In Jesus' name. The Apostle Paul said, when he had given thanks of this bread, excuse me, the same night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when we take this together, I want you to remember that his brokenness was for your healing and salvation. Let's take this bread together. Now would you thank the Lord for his broken body? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's what the Bible said he took bear our sins in his body. Amen. Now if you would just carefully peel that next tab back. In just a few moments our ushers are going to come after we've received communion and while we're just in the seats praying they're going to come and receive these empty cups so we don't have debris and spills here and there. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So in remembrance of what Jesus did for us, by shedding his blood on the cross, would you drink this cup? Let's do it together. Now, would you just begin to thank the Lord right now for the blood of Jesus Christ, for the broken body in this shed blood. Thank you, Lord. presence of God here right now. Hallelujah. The Bible said as often as you drink this, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come again, till he come. We drink this looking back, but we drink it looking ahead. I would like for you to stand, please. No one leave unless it's an emergency, please. I want to just give you a little... We live in an irreverent society. There is nothing sacred. Every office, whether it's politics, religion, or the home, 
is bashed and trashed and treated with such disrespect. When we come to this sacred supper, this Lord's Supper, it brings a sense of of honor and respect back into us. When you open your Bible or on an app, you open your Bible. When you come to a time of prayer or worship like church, I would like to please encourage you to show tremendous respect for the house of God, this church building, and for the house of God, this body of Christ, and that you would show reverence to the Lord. Amen? And we dance and we celebrate His presence, but we do it with a deep respect of who He is. And I don't know about you, Paul said, you can't be drinking the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils at the same time. If you're going to drink this cup, make sure that this is the only cup you drink from. Don't have this incongruity in your life. Don't have this duplicity where you drink this cup on Sunday and then you drink this cup on Monday. If you drink this cup, this is the cup that you drink every day of your life. It's the cup of the Lord. It's the cup of the body of Christ. Ushers, please come. Amen. If you'll just pass those cups down toward the end. I know this is a little, take a little moment here to do this. Ushers, just wait a second as they pass them down to you. As the ushers make it past where you are, the worship team's going to sing. I want to ask for something today. I I know, I'm I'm just waiting. I see, I know you're a little restless right now. It's exciting to pass those cups down. That's okay. I'm I'm fine. I understand. I am just a man, and I don't, make a big deal out of my position or asserting my authority. My authority comes from the Bible. So I'm not saying something to be authoritative right now. But I would like to ask if you are committed to this local church, or if you're a guest today, you're committed to a local church, and you say, I am a church member. I belong. It means something to me to be a part of the church. And my being there matters because I'm going to make a difference in my local church. I'm not just going to be an appendage hanging out there. I am going to fill my function in the church. If you would do that, I want to ask you to just move today to the altar. And maybe you cannot get here. I want you to crowd this altar. Maybe you just need to get in the aisle or go to a pew in front of you. But I want to invite you, if you're making a commitment that you want to say, I am a church member, would you say that with your feet right now? Would you say that with your voice? Would you just say, Lord, your blood matters to me. Your broken body matters to me. And I want to discern the Lord's body. Amen. Amen.
you've not discerned the Lord's body. Many are weak, many are sick, many have died prematurely, many are dead. So it makes sense to me that if I drink worthily, if I clean my heart out, if I get a right attitude, if I respect the body of Christ, the literal body and the body of Christ the church, that instead of being sick, weak, or dead, that there should be healing and life and strength. Amen? Because if I do it God's way, I have the blessings and the promises of God in my life. So all of us who have come to the table of the Lord, this Lord's Supper, and reverently and in a worthy way in terms of repentance and remembering, I want you to begin to believe God for healing in your body, for miracles in your life, for blessing on your business and your work in 2015. Amen? So they're going to sing it again, but I want you to begin to praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed and be strengthened and let life flow into the church. In Jesus' name, go ahead and receive the Holy